Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Jamie Creel with Shelter Insurance. Come see how we've built a name that you can trust and why it is a must to get your free quote today with our Switch and Save. Located in Ridgeland and Florida, Mississippi, give us a call, 601-992-6000. What is up on a Wednesday? I'm Brian Scott Rippey. My co-conspirator, as always, is Colin Brister. We appreciate you hanging out with us on this Wednesday, July 10th, I guess, edition of the Rebel Report. Um, sure. Yeah, just not... A, whole lot to get to today to be completely honest we're kind of in that last week where there's not a whole lot going on um as i mentioned on monday show i got media day on monday um from hoover so we'll be there for that and that's kind of when football gets kicked off and everything gets going again um but you know some all-star game home run derby um some one or two old miss hypotheticals to get to um what's up not much not much uh yeah like you said it's uh it's the summer for sure this is kind of the week where there's just not much there yeah, you know it's the worst week of the year when the espies is on because the espies they pick the one day out of the year where there isn't a single major four sporting <laughs> event there's not so one day of the year where there's not a single nba nfl um major league baseball or hockey game so you've got the sp tonight that's kind of signaling the rock bottom dead of summer but the uh, good news is it's only up from there because well, not really, but at least you've got baseball on for the next couple of weeks. And then uh, and then really with SEC media days, you start kind of back gearing up towards football. Um, they keep moving media days up, though. So, like, you have this, like, gap where you think this whole thing's back and football's back. And then it doesn't really turn out that that way because you after media days, you've got a whole other two, three weeks before anything ever actually happens. When, uh, when does Ole Miss open camp? Um, I do we have not gotten the exact dates of fall camp if, unless I'm mistaking. Um, I'm not sure. I think it's at the very end of July. I think it's somewhere around July 30th. I could be wrong about that, okay. but it's usually July 28, July 30th, somewhere, somewhere in that range every year. So it's like you have this like two week period where it's just kind of, you know, dead after you talk to them at media day, but media day at least kind of gives you some kind of fodder to uh, at least discuss things. Cause you know, it's kind of like a big, I mean, it's basically it turned it into a media networking event. Um, not really a whole lot of use out of it. I mean, you get like some, like you get Matt Luke on the side right before he does his main thing, which is useful because it's like the first time you've talked to him all summer. Um, but really, other than that, there's not a whole lot you get from it. It will be interesting to see who Ole Miss takes, um, which we're recording this very early on Wednesday morning. I'm sure we will find out later in the day. So this will probably be already announced by the time it comes out. But I'll be interested to see who they take. Um, you know, the the name of the game is really kind of to take someone who's not going to say anything. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, you want someone to kind of represent the program well. So I'll be interested to see with a young football team and their real clear-cut leader, I'll be interested to see who they take. Um, if I were them, I would take Matt Corral, Mohamed Sinogo, and then I would probably take Scotty Phillips or someone to showcase on your offense. Elijah Moore is probably a little young. Um, you know, I'd, I'd maybe a Braylon Sanders, something like that. I don't know. I would, Scotty Phillips is actually probably the obvious one that comes to mind. I would take them three, but 
you know, the third guy would be interesting. Um, I'll be interested to see if they balk on Corral or not. If they want people talking about the program and kind of really interested in Ole Miss football to some degree, they should probably take Corral because other than that, Ole Miss is not – I mean, if you're ranking the 14 storylines or 14 most interesting teams there, Ole Miss is going to fall between somewhere 11 and 14. So, <laughs> you know, you need a reason to kind of talk. Like, And maybe that's not a bad thing. You know, the year after the NCAA investigation and all that, that, that certainly wasn't a bad thing. But, you know, you're going to need – um, you still want to generate some sort of buzz, I would imagine, at this point, because there's not a whole lot of buzz surrounding it. So I'll be interested who they take. That's who I would take. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think any any of those guys are going to hurt you in a press conference, per se. I mean, all three of them are uh, pretty good interviews. So, yeah, I'm kind of with you. It's, it'd be, you know, three guys that, that – that aren't going to be boring um, and probably aren't going to say anything that, you know, put put up billboard material either. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. That's kind of who I'd probably take, too. Um, I would imagine Kadir Shepard's not going to go, which is a crying <laughs> shame. We've talked to him twice in his career, and he's produced two different moments where it's made the uh, sports information director um, kind of maybe have a small heart attack. Um, he is a <laughs> interesting electric interview, but not always um, – not always G-rated. I'm, um, I'm probably, listening. Uh, what what, what what do you do? Um. Well, I guess the one, I guess the one I can tell without really re- restraint was one of the first times we talked to Kadir. It may have been the first time. It was Matt Luke's interim year, I guess, because it was after the 2016 season. So it's fall camp. It would have had to have been fall camp of 2017. Um, and we were talking to a bunch of guys after practice. And Kadir was a transfer from Syracuse at the time, and he was ineligible a year ago. Yeah. So during Ole Miss's five- and seven-year, which turned out to be freezes last year, he had to sit out. And he was a guy that they expected to contribute because they lost a lot on the defensive line from 16 to 17. Um, you know, there's a lot for they thought he might be kind of the guy opposite of Marquise Haynes on that 17 team. Um, he played some, but point being is we were talking to him. Um, he was kind of storyline going to that year, and then he was basically asked kind of what led to the transition from Syracuse to down here, and which he answered that he was partying and getting in trouble. And then <laughs> when someone asked him if it was tough to watch, sit back and watch, uh, if it was tough to sit back and watch the team go five and seven while he was unable to play, I think he said something to the effect of, "Shit, we only won two games at Syracuse, so I thought five was pretty good." Um, <laughs> <laughs> which is <laughs> you appreciate the uh the the honesty i guess um, oh, it was pretty good that's great yeah so you i guess you appreciate the honesty that's not exactly what you know the button-up answer at sid would want you to give but i certainly appreciate it and then of course you had the famous one this past year after the arkansas game um uh, <laughs> he uh after his flop or whatever yeah. um where he basically did a backflip after being lightly shoved by the Arkansas guy, Arkansas player on a running play, I believe, which was hilarious, by the way. No harm, no foul there. But they were talking about that, and then they were talking about like some big play Arkansas busted. Um, and he was basically talking about like what he saw on the play, and he said it was like the wrong read, and he basically said, I turned around, and I realized I effed up. <laughs> Except, you know, he went through with it, and that was his explanation of the play. <laughs> So, um, just, just probably, brutal honesty. Yeah, I mean, he's he's the kid. The kid is from the Bronx. He kind of talks with that, you know, I guess, hard in northeastern Bronx type of accent. I mean, if you if you ever heard someone from New York or that area talk, like you, you know what I'm talking about. They have that kind of no nonsense <laughs> accent. Cussing is just kind of implanted into their speech. Um, 
I mean, your events, you know, Boston, Philly, someone like that, you know, it's it's a little little more brash. And uh, so I don't know. I like Kadir. He's a definitely a change of pace from a lot of the interviews we get. But point being, I don't think he's going to media day. <laughs> I think they should now that, uh, that you, you, want, you want some storylines. So let, my, let my guy go up there and talk. Oh, I told Kyle Campbell the other day, I was walking in the SID's office, just I had some different like housekeeping things to take care of with basketball and baseball. It was really just hadn't seen him in a while, so I was just going to poke my head in, and I was lobbying hard for Kadir, and uh, Kyle, Kyle was not a fan. He uh, he, he said two funny things, and uh, you think he, uh, y'all think he's just some legend. I was like, I think we've only talked to him twice, so I'm pretty sure he's batting 1,000. Um, so, Slugging yeah, 4,000. Yeah, I, I don't think he will. Uh, don't think he'll be at media days, but I really will be interested to see what they bring. I don't know how much thought they'll put into it, like in terms of like how much like time they actually sit down and be like, who do we really want to take? Obviously, there'll be some thought put into it, but I think if there's a year where they need to think about it, maybe a little harder than others, it's probably this year because it will be telling. This is an incredibly young football team. Um, you know, I mean, you, Matt Corral is kind of perceived as the leader, and I'm not saying he can or isn't a B, but at the same time, he's a redshirt freshman with four games of experience under his belt. So, you know, do they trust him enough to go on a stage in front of those people? And honestly, they should, because I mean, if you can't handle, I mean, if you're if you're not able to get up and conduct yourself, I guess in a buttoned up and you know appeasing manner. I don't really know why I would describe it. Basically, if you can't handle that kind of stage, then I, do you really want that guy being your quarterback of the SEC? Or, you know, I, I guess it's not that cut and dry, but you kind of get what I'm saying. It'd be indicative of, you know, I guess leadership qualities. Sure. I mean, it's not like, I mean, some guys just aren't good with media and it's not, but Corral's not one of those guys. No, so. no, he's not. He's been fine. I don't want to make it yeah. sound like that. I just, it, it, I feel like they would give off that impression. Like it would unintentionally, intentionally, whatever you want to call it, give off that impression if you balked on bringing him because he is your guy. Sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I would, I would think they probably need to bring Corral, Phillips, and Sonogo. Like you said, it kind of feels like those are the uh, three leaders on the football team. Um, you know, Corral obviously being a little younger than the other two, but um, they're going to, obviously, they're going to need him as your quarterback. So, I kind of just feel like, I mean, it's not like there's a quarterback competition. Let's, let's kind of keep it real. So, yeah, I, I'm with you. I think those are the three guys that uh, that they probably bring and probably need to. Speaking of quarterback competition, State has one going on to some degree. Uh, I think most people think Tommy Stevens, the Penn State transfer, is going to win that job. But you do have Keaton Thompson, who, you know, I mean, played pretty decently well in the bowl game in the absence of Nick Fitzgerald in 2017 when um, – when, um, what am I trying to say? Fitz broke his foot in the Egg Bowl. But what, the reason I bring that up is we were talking about who State should bring. Um, and Borky was adamant, and obviously this is never going to happen. He you know, prefaced it with that. He said, if you want people talking about your program, bring both quarterbacks. <laughs> Let them talk about the competition. I thought it was a really interesting idea. Obviously, that's that's yeah, never I never mean, going to happen. But it was so much could go wrong with that too, though. I, but can it like these colleges have yeah. such widespread paranoia? And what's interesting to me is like when you go from like a like if the stark contrast between a like professional media relations thing and a college media relations thing in terms of how they're run, and 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 the like, there's so much widespread paranoia amongst college media. Would that really be the worst thing in the world? Like, how would that go wrong? You can't trust those two kids to be like, yeah, we're having a good, healthy quarterback battle. I mean, what if one kid just kind of goes off the rails? I, I, I just, I wouldn't do it. Um, I mean, it's a competition. And, and I'll be honest, um, 
does Keaton Thompson kind of feel slighted that you brought in a graduate transfer quarterback? Now you're going to put him in front of, you know, a bunch of media and let him say whatever he wants. I, I, I don't know if I'd do that. I mean, can you really feel slighted when you're not throwing the, like, I mean, I, I don't know exactly his, no, I'm about to look this up real quick. Like to me, yes, the kids kind of waited his turn, but at the same time, He's got a decent enough sample size. It's not huge, but he is play. He is now has ninety nine career. So he's got. Let's see. What am I trying? So he's thrown ninety nine passes his career. He has. No, excuse me. That is that is rushing. I a little slow this morning. He's fifty for one hundred and five in his career. He's under a fifty percent passer. Obviously, one hundred throws is a small sample size. But my point being, if you're a forty eight percent passer in nineteen career games played, can you really act like you've been slighted? I mean, sure, but if if that's the case, are you really going to win the quarterback job either? Because I I don't really feel as if this kid's going to be state starting quarterback. He's not. I mean, that's, Haydad's that's been convinced thing. of it. I think there's at least going to be a battle. Like, Haydad has pretty much written it off. Like, Haydad yeah, gets, like, irked when you talk about it being a quarterback competition. I'm like, it's, it's definitely a competition. This dude's a newcomer. Like, like they're actually going to well, hand him the thing. Is he? I get he's a newcomer, but he probably knows the offense just as well as anybody else, too. Sure, but that's not even necessarily my point. You've just never really seen much of this kid playing football at a major college level. It's not – the familiarity certainly helps – doesn't State Stevens. have another quarterback that that might win? Schrader? The, yeah, I don't he? think that 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 does not sound from you know talking to Haydad and Little. I've read that does not sound like a, a promising out yeah. uh, option. Anyway, not really the point. I just thought it was interesting that you know Borky brought up the point. It's like, what if you brought two quarterbacks? Like, well, people would definitely talk about your football team. <laughs> yeah, you know, it might not necessarily be in the way that you want, but I mean, Ole Miss and State are not anywhere close to a top half storyline in the conference. Like, sure, but neither one are expected you, supposed to be pretty good. Although State's win totals at eight and a half, I still qu- don't quite if, understand that. But you know, if I'm Joe Moorhead after you know what I pulled last year, I'm not sure I want people talking about my football team. Yeah, I guess maybe you want to go under the radar. Some I don't really <laughs> know, but I don't necessarily blame him a lot for last year. I mean. Mullen used quarterbacks in such a unique way, and then when you ha- you you inherit a quarterback that literally does not know how to throw, it's tough. Yeah, but Man, that defense lost five games because the offense was atrocious. But now him, I, we've gotten off I mean, the rails here, but I don't really care. But it, it's it's you inherit a quarterback that can't throw, but then also you didn't do yourself any favors by not giving your best player Colin the football Hill the regularly. Ball. Yeah, that's uh. Yeah. That that doesn't seem wise at all. Yeah, yeah that, that seems the opposite of wise. Yeah. Um. So anyway, I don't know. I thought it was an interesting point. Um. The really the one of the first things I had for us to get to today was the continuation of this series we're doing on radio, which we have modified because the radio we're trying to do the top four uh, at each position in the history of the state of Mississippi, like best college football players at each position in the um, history yeah, of. This- State You're going to do punters? Uh, we have not gotten that far. Yesterday during the break, we did uh, we did wide receivers. Yeah, I think we're doing it every other day. So I guess Monday we did wide receivers, and then we let everyone vote like through Tuesday. And I guess we'll pick one up today. We were trying to figure out how to do offensive linemen during the break the other day. And I was like, well, 
that's going to bring out a ton of internet experts because, <laughs> you know, 90% of football fans have zero clue how the offensive line works, how to play a good offensive line. But, man, you make an internet poll with inter- Mississippi State and Ole Miss kind of having a contentious battle for who gets on there, you're going to have some freaking cut chip block footwork experts, all kinds of stuff on the internet. It should be a wild time. I, I generally hate things like this, but, you know, it is what it is. It is the summer. But long-winded way of saying we've got receivers today. So our, uh, this one, like we did the other day, where I just kind of am interested in naming the four. Like, obviously, I'm not putting out a Twitter poll from this podcast to be like, hey, who do you think is the best old receiver of all time? I just kind of want to listen to the conversation. Um, okay. I, so I can get the four I had. Easy. The four I had were Brown, um, Brown. I'm going to put Brown and Treadwell on there, and then I'm probably going. Shay Hodge. Come, yeah, I was going to say, come on now. <laughs> and then, yeah. And no, yeah, I just, I'm, I'm trying to think. I got like, I, I did it in like, I, I spit out two there really quick. So I was trying Creed? to make it three and four. I mean, Moncrief was really good. Um, you want to talk about a dude whose numbers withstood the test of time, and granted, he benefited a lot from playing with Eli. Chris Collins, Chris Collins. in an era where you didn't throw the football as much, and I know that sounds ridiculous because he played in, you know, like, 04, but it's still the same. Like, you know, you're still running two-back sets, and Ole Miss used a fullback in 2004. So, they like, did. it's um, it's still a different – I mean, and that's not not normal, but, I mean, his, his numbers held up. 198 receptions, 2,600 career yards, 13.3 yards per catch, and 24 touchdowns. He has these – of uh, Treadwell, Hodge, Chris Collins, Dante Moncrief, and A.J. Brown, he is tied for second with the most receptions in Brown. He – second most yardage behind Brown – um, third most yards per catch, and then leads in TDs. Nobody had more career TDs than him out of yeah. that group. Yeah. Um, so I feel I like guess, that's my four. Moncrief gets snubbed. Oh, Moncrief gets snubbed. So, you, so you're going, oh, okay, I think I would have Moncrief over Collins. But I think my other four would be uh, correct. Because I think, I guess my argument would be was Moncrief only stayed three years and uh, didn't really, I mean, Bo was great, but I'm mean, not great, but Bo was good, but he didn't really utilize what Moncrief was great at. Because um, he couldn't throw the football farther than 25 yards, so I I'm gonna go Moncrief, Brown, Hodge, and uh, Treadwell. I was in high school at the time, obviously not covering Ole Miss football, but couldn't you partly make the argument that one part of the reason Moncrief went pro is well, he probably felt he was ready, but two, I think he maybe not saw the writing on the wall, but saw that he was no longer going to be the guy. Maybe. Um, I think Moncrief was ready to go pro, though. And, I'm and not docking I, him for that, but I'm, I don't know. Just if you're talking about terms of college career, and you can still go off eye test and talent. Like, I'm not going to – like, debating – like, the Collins and Moncrief, they're both valid lists. I'm just going to give Collins a nod because his numbers are better at every turn. And I grant it's three versus four years, but still, i I just got to give him the nod. Yeah. Although, Moncrief in three years had 2,300 yards, just 300 yards less than really basically all these guys on the list. Except for Brown, who was up in the twenty nine hundred well, yard range. That twenty twelve season, uh, Freeze had like two playmakers, Vince Sanders and Moncrief. And to his credit, by God, he got on the football. Well, Jeff Scott was pretty good. Yeah. Okay. He was fine. Yeah. Dude, that dude could play. He was. I know but he was it, your it only running out at the end, end, but man, but yeah. He yeah, was your you only get him out of the back. backfield. I mean that. Uh, that run in 13 against Vanderbilt was uh, kind of like get out of bounds, get out of bounds, and then it was, oh, he's gone. Um, 
Dude, Were you at that you game? You can't dock him for that. Uh, no, I was not. That was like one of my first weeks of uh, undergrad. I don't remember actually where I was or what I was doing. I know I was watching so, the game. So you graduated high school in 13? Yeah. So, okay. Yeah, that was that was my second year at Ole Miss. That is the hottest stadium I have ever been in in my life. Well, it was a night oh. game, wasn't it? Yes, and it was absolutely miserable. Well, I got one that's probably going to be hotter. In Memphis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, at least you're going to be in a press box. I'm going to be in the stadium. I'm not sure that press box has AC. Oof. I think That's it even actually, worse, though, right? I think like it does. A, if it doesn't, it's a bazillion people in a crowded area. Uh, I've gotten less and less. Speaking of this completely unrelated, speaking of, I've gotten less. I've tried to. Do you have that thing on your phone where it says the screen, like it, it tells your screen time every week and how long you've looked at your phone? No, I don't. I haven't updated my phone. Okay, well, don't don't get it. Um, it's depressing. <laughs> but my point being is, I've been dramatically, particularly in the last couple of weeks, with baseball season ending and really not have anything like major to do. Um, I've been trying to get down on that and really just read less social media. But I saw one the other day that made me want just want to quit for good. Uh, I saw a take that the air conditioning is sexist. Did you see this? I did see that. That that uh, was uh, that was certainly a take. That I, yeah. You ever <laughs> been to Mississippi? Like, what do you talk like? <laughs> like, okay, how long? How much money would I have to give you to go a week without air conditioning down here? Like, no form of air conditioning. There's but no people don't no know. Amount. Dude, people don't know, man. Last year when I was in Ohio, I would be walking into and I, I like the MLB.com makes you wear pants, which like. Yeah, not not in that sense. Like no shorts. Like not. I'm not talking about. I was trying to run in there in undies, but like, um, so you have to wear pants. So I would show up every day and pretty much in a button down and golf shirt and jeans. And it was a where I had to park was a decent like little walk down the riverfront to the stadium. Yeah, but like I'd get in there every day and all those dudes would complain. Can you believe how hot it is? Now, granted, it's ninety. But the humidity is a fraction of what it is down here. And I'm sitting there. I remember like, four or five days, literally, I was walking down the riverfront. And I was like, man, what a beautiful day. This is awesome. Like, I would, I'm so glad I would be outside today. And then you get in there, and they're just all complaining about how hot it is and how just July in Cincinnati is the worst. I'm like, you people have no <laughs> earthly idea. So, like, obviously, this person that wrote this thing talking about how bad air conditioning is and how, like, it, you know, makes, like, women colder, whatever the, the take was, was absurd. It, it's like, what it, like, it makes women colder in the workplace or something. Like, yeah, something and they're less effect. productive. It's like, you, they've never, people like that, you're just showing your hand. You've never been to the South. Like, you come <laughs> here in July or August and you're going to argue that air conditioning is bad? Like, that just, there's no logical way to do that. I mean... I did. I did appreciate that her then like saying, uh, "Well, other countries have figured out a way." I'm like, "No, they haven't." Yeah, they just don't. Yeah, no, no, they haven't at all. They just don't have the option. <laughs> so it's, like it's hot as hell over there. Yeah, I, the the no AC thing is just mind boggling to me because like I just I, I'll never understand that one. Um, anyway, we got quit very so off there, topic there. there so, there's not a there's not a number that I can give you for no AC for a week. Well, what time of year? Like right now. Oh no, absolutely not. That would be awful. The uh I I've been to the Neshoba County Fair a couple of times with yeah. some friends and like they have like one of them had a cabin up there and like even staying in that for a week and there's no AC and those things that's just fans, or at least the one I stayed in there was no AC. I'm pretty sure most of those don't. It's miserable. Like I have fun there, but like it, it it's just miserable. You couldn't pay it's me. Sweltering. To do that. Yeah. Um 
we had a heater go out at one of our houses in college one time, and it took the guy about a week and a half to fix it. So there was a 10-day period where we'd be watching Monday Night Football in our living room and had gloves on. <laughs> it was terrible. We would wear a jacket and gloves. I remember I, wore a, I slept in a North Face for a week and a half. <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't come fix it? No, we had – it was some kind of uh, – I can't really I, – I, God, this is testing my memory. This was my junior year, so this is about three years ago. And we had something was up with it, but it was like, I say it maybe it was a week and a half. It like happened on a Thursday. We didn't know it was officially broken until a Friday. They couldn't come until like the next Tuesday or Wednesday. So maybe it was like a six, seven day thing. Jesus. But like we're in there watching football with literally no joke. One of my roommates put gloves on and then like I had like a snow hat and we're sitting there and I'm sleeping <laughs> in a North Face. So um, anyway, you've had temperature. Some, uh, yeah. Good. Some, you've had some yeah. homeowner experiences. Yeah, you know, it was an older college house. It just went out. Like, it was fine. Like, the landlord fixed it and everything. Like, it was fine. But, like, that six days was, was terrible. That was the weekend that I went home. Jeez. Yeah, but I don't know. It was, it was, it built character. That's for sure. Uh-huh. But anyway, um, environment controlling, temperature controlling devices, whatever you want to call them. Uh, I'm a fan. I'm, I'm not going to complain about that. Um, I'll, I'll be anyway, sexist. We, uh, we got off the rails there. So, what's your four? Receivers. Oh, it's it's uh it's Treadwell, Moncrief, um, Brown, and Hodge. Okay, so I'm you taking Chris Collins instead of instead of Moncrief, and that's kind of our list. I don't I mean, is there anyone else that comes to the conversation? Mike SB- Wallace's numbers in college were not that great, but that granted yeah. he had three years of Ed Orgeron, um, <laughs> and three years of you know whoever was throwing the football to Ed Orgeron, I mean for Ed Orgeron, which is not great because the year under Houston Nutt, to his credit, Mike yeah. Wallace was awesome, yeah. but. It just doesn't have the the resume to stack up, and you know that just leaves you wondering if he'd have had a you're, competent college coach all those years, what would yeah, happen? You're, you're he's had the best mention. NFL career of ever, all of these people. Yeah, um, your honorable mentions are what Wallace, uh, Mike Espy, and probably Vince Sanders. Um, I mean, shoot, there's, I mean, I don't know. You could go a couple of different ways from that, Vince. Um, I'm trying to think like. And I'm having trouble going past like 1998, 99 because I was very young back then. But like Bill Flowers, yeah, Bill Flowers was good. Uh, Corey Peterson was good. That's Corey Peterson catching the uh, pass in the egg bowl is my first like actual sports memory. Um, God, that was a long time ago. Twenty-three to... years. Yeah. Wow. Who are we missing? There's definitely one or two names we're missing. That's all I can remember, to be honest. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure we're missing somebody easy, but I can't call. Yeah, I can't think of anyone. I don't know. You have honorable mention. Send them to us. Um, <laughs> yeah, Vince Sanders is pretty good. Anyway, I don't know. That's about all I got. So, the, uh, did you watch the Derby? We have it. We did a. We had done a podcast as the Derby. Derby, yeah, awesome. yeah. They they say P. Alonzo won, but I call BS on that. Yeah, so I don't uh, I don't understand like I mean, I do understand how it happened. What sucks is both of those guys like not like needed the money, but both those guys are making half a million dollars this year. And so them winning that, and that's part of what made it awesome. I think that's why they both wanted to win so bad. They're both rookies in Vlad Guerrero Jr. and Pete Alonso. So like winning that would have doubled their salary for the year. Yeah. Because you get a yeah. million for winning it, and they're both making half a million as rookies. Which, if you're showcasing in the game's biggest stage at the All Star break, and you're making half a million dollars, that probably tells you that the system, some sort of part of the system is broken. 
um, in terms of paying younger baseball players. That's a conversation for another day. Sure. Anyway, Pete Alonso beats uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr. after Vlad Guerrero put on an absolute show in the first rounds. He gets 29 home runs in the first round and steamrolls over Matt Chapman, I believe. Yeah. Um and then in the second round, he and Jock Peterson, which was really the moment of the night, have this legendary – I mean, isn't it technically three overtime things? They went to a bonus yeah. round. They went to a minute – they tied at 29 or 30, went to a minute yeah. bonus round, tied that, went to a three-swing contest, tied that, and then went to a second three-swing contest. And I think the first three-swing one to send it to the second, uh, Peterson hit it over the fence by a foot. Um <laughs> So it was yeah. wild. That was the wildest moment of the night. Um, Guerrero hit 81 home runs the entire time. Well, on the contrast, Alonzo kind of won a pillow fight in the first round. Carlos Santana just kind of disgraced his family up there. Um, he uh, <laughs> he hit like hit 13. He hit like four, yeah, 13, and didn't get the 440. The bonus. Obviously, I was joking with uh, you know being very hyperbolic with that, but he he had a t- he hit 13, and then Alonzo barely beat him. I know he, he hit could have had, still had the bonus round. He hit, but he would have had the 30 second bonus because if you hit it two over 440, you get a 30 second bonus round. But Alonzo, uh, his pitcher was not helping him. No, he was not. And then Chapman's dad, who was his pitcher, the guy from the A's, like basically got the yips at one point. I think he threw yeah. two balls at one time. At one point, yeah. not great. But point being. <laughs> Alonzo only hits twenty nine, I mean fifty nine home runs to Vlad Junior's, um, to Vlad Junior's like eighty one for the whole time. Obviously, that's not how the contest goes. Um, Pete Alonzo won in the finals, I, but Vlad hit twenty two and Alonzo hit twenty three. Yeah, in the yeah. final, which kind of stinks because like it felt like Vlad Guerrero Junior stole the show. I like Pete Alonzo. I'm glad he won, but like. It's one of those like rare instances in that the new format where you go walk away thinking like the best guy did not win that. <laughs> yeah, Vlad was just uh, pulling home runs. Like like I loved how Ronald Acuna is just like taking pitches to center field, taking them to right field, pulling. Acuna them won the if there was a spray chart contest to where you could see where you could flex where all your power is. Acuna won in a landslide, but a poor, unfortunately that's not the name of the game. The name of the game is to hit it as far as you possibly can, as often as you possibly can. And in terms of just like raw power, uh, I mean, Vlad kind of took the show with that. I mean, when sure. he got on that roll in the set first and second round, I mean, he hit. I'll never forget watching his first round one. He had three or four bad swings in the first minute and still hit eight home runs in the first minute. It's well, unbelievable. I, I took him to win the thing because, like, I saw him practicing at, so Roger, at the Rogers Center. Like, did you see that video? Yeah, no, I said it was it majestic. <laughs> Well, and it's all, it always feels like it's a young – like, not always, but with that kind of field, you felt like it was going to be a younger guy coming on the scene and kind of stealing the show. And he would have been the perfect one because he's got kind of the wild – not out-of-control swing, but like the wild kind of hack. And, like, I don't know. It, it just felt like he was going to kind of be the one that came on, and he was to a degree. What I didn't like, I'll nitpick Alonzo a little bit. All those guys, like, yes, they want to win, but they're all standing out there having fun. Alonzo's, like, sitting down in his own area of the dugout, yeah, he was. like, getting his mind right. It's like bring your own clubs to top golf guys. Like, come on, dude. This isn't that serious. <laughs> I know there's a million bucks on the line, but, like, this this is not that serious. Like, come on. <laughs> bring your own clubs to top golf. Does that happen? Uh, yes, apparently. I've actually never done a top golf. I am, uh, I, I, I don't know how that's the case because they look really fun. But I've seen like internet videos and I've asked people, like, apparently, you know, obviously you go to Top Golf to drink beer and take some swigs and have a good time. But obviously, apparently, there are people that take it way too seriously, bring their own clubs, you know, clean their groups. Is there a Top Golf in Mississippi? There is not, I don't think. Okay. Um, 
I mean, Jackson would be the place where it would be. Sure. Um, yeah. There's not. I believe there's one in Memphis and Birmingham. Um, I need to go to one of those. That would be pretty fun. But point being, Alonzo took it a little too seriously for my liking. Yeah. No, I mean, that that's certainly fair. Because um, he was, like, sitting out in the dugout, like, trying to get focused and stuff. I'm like, bro, it's fine. It's going to be all right. Yeah. And, no, at the same time, if if doubling your yearly salary is on the line, I'm not going to knock the guy, I guess, too much for being too serious. But at least, like, Vlad was in the same boat. Vlad's making, like, a like a truncated version of uh of the of the veteran I mean, of the uh minimum because he got called up earlier this year. He's making like four hundred and seventy grand, which is just a crime. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't get me started on on that. Um there's a lot of crimes in baseball. Um between they need to tell you the first and second thing they need to fix is first thing they need to fix the fact that Vlad Guerrero is making 470k. Look, I get it, that's a lot of money for a lot of people. Um, but when you look at the salaries throughout the MLB, that's kind of ridiculous. The second is this uh, this senior sign thing. I think that gets fixed in the next collective bargaining agreement, where you have to at least give seniors a certain percentage of the slot value. I think I think those are two things that are getting fixed in this next CBA. Yeah, because they get job with that. Um, yeah, I, we, we explained that at the time on that podcast. If you want to go back and listen to it, that's fine. I don't really feel like re-explaining that thing again. Um, yeah, it's an issue. Speaking, if you want to go money, this was just some random thing we had. Cause again, this is this last week where we've just got nothing going on. We did this on the radio show yesterday. He's talking about how much guaranteed money is going to NBA players. Yeah. Good. Gosh. Tobias Harris makes twice as much money as Khalil Mack. <laughs> Andrew Wiggins makes three times as much money as DeAndre Hopkins. Oh, that's 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 not good. Oh, uh, I'm gonna keep going. DeAndre Hopkins <laughs> makes less money than Kelly Olenek. Oof. Landon Collins, Oof. yeah, like him, hate him, makes less money than James Johnson. Who is James Johnson? It's a fair point. It's a fair point. <laughs> you ready for this? Antonio Brown makes less money than Jeremy Lamb, who averages 10.2 points per game for the Charlotte Hornets. I mean, that's a pretty good career, but I don't think you should make more than Antonio Brown. Blake Griffin, 10 times Christian McCaffrey. Oof. Chris Paul, I mean, that... 10 times Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> well, I mean, I, get I got that two more. I got two more. Okay. Odell Beckham Jr., within a million dollars or two of Ian Mahimney. <laughs> oh, my God. Of the Washington Wizards. Borky put this together. I'll have to give, I have to credit the source. And the last one, Zeke Elliott makes less than Markel Fultz. <laughs> Markel Fultz hasn't played in a game, has he? Uh, no, he's played. He played sparingly as a little bit as a rookie in like a couple games this past year before his all, you know, whatever he's got going on for the Sixers and he gets traded. But I did some digging after this while we were talking about this on the show yesterday. Zeke Elliott, you remember when he got suspended for uh, six games in 2018? Yeah. He had 269 receiving yards in the 10-game stretch nice. during that. That is uh, 14 more uh, than Markel Fultz has career points in the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> and guess who makes more money? Markel Fultz. Yeah, isn't that unbelievable? The guaranteed money, and this part of this is just, uh, part of this is that you've seen an unprecedented rise in the NBA salary cap, and it spiked after the 2017 season to a level that like people had never seen and then it's only continued to go up since and so part of that is this what it is and you know nfl is a different contract structure and the owners have more power two different leagues but it is funny to compare them like that um kind of the main i remember at the time in the summer of 2017 um 
what am I trying to say? Oh, summer of 2017 when that cap spike went and every free yeah. agent in the NBA was just getting paid absurd money. Pablo Torre wrote a really long story on – do you know who Tyler Johnson is? Do you have any idea who that is? No, no, I okay. don't. So he is a shooting guard for the Miami Heat. Um, I kind of knew so. of him. Um, and then he has since been traded to the Phoenix Suns. He was traded this year. Do you want to take a guess what he signed for in the summer of 2017? $27 million <laughs> a year. <laughs> Oh no, no twenty-seven million a year, dude. That's a, almost a max. Hell no. Man, I but he know. signed Colleen a four-year, like fifty million dollar contract. So it's about seventeen and a half. Yes. Well, Tyler 15, Johnson, fourteen, whatever. Tyler Johnson would not get recognized on the streets of Miami, much less his hometown. <laughs> and he's uh, making four years, fifty million dollars. Who gets recognized first if you drop him in Oxford, Mississippi? Tyler Johnson or Mike Trout? Uh, Mike Trout. Okay. I don't know, man. There's, how would anyone in this town know who Tyler – I mean, I didn't even really know who he was, but I get your point. But moral of the story is so it's put a basketball in your kid's hand. That's right. So Make, yeah. your, make your kid 6'5". Yeah, make your kid 6'5", make him be able to jump, make him be able to dunk, and don't let him play anything else but basketball and maybe some steroids. Well, um, either, either do that or make your kid left-handed. What, if you if you can get them left-handed and throw a 91, they get a good shot. That's a good point, but it seems like hitters are making the cash these days. Maybe just let him have cool hair and hit 270 and hit a couple home runs every couple of years. Yeah, just Mike, you know, uh, hit 230 Bryce and Harper. hit 20 home runs. Yeah, yeah play, so. play bad defense. Last thing I really had was the All Star game was last night. It was uh, I did not watch a pitch. I'm, I should probably have to revoke my man card, but I didn't make a pitch. I watched it just because I'd gotten home, went on a run. There was nothing else on. Um, it was fine. I mean, it was a close, competitive game. You know, I don't know. It's just like when they let the when they let each pitcher just pitch one inning. It's so hard for those guys to put hits together and score yeah. runs. Four to three. I mean, it's a decent, competitive ball game. Um, Joey Gallo won because they always do. yeah the AL one that what they're like twenty five and six or something yeah, that's in ridiculous. the last thirty one All Star games which how does that happen I don't understand no that. clue no clue but because it, I mean, it hasn't necessarily always been reflective in the World Series no it doesn't really matter but geez <laughs> yeah that that seems very very strange um I I didn't have a ton of takeaways from it like Joey Gallo pinch hit home run and ended up being the difference it was four to one at the time when he hit it. He's, Awesome. The uh, the NL scored two in the eighth, had a chance to put the tying run and go ahead run a single base hit, did not get it. And then our oldest Chapman uh, really just kind of destroyed three hitters in the ninth. Yeah, yeah. He's really good. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the All-Star game is what it is. I kind of do think the MLB did a lot better job marketing it this year. I saw, like, a video with uh, Freddie Freeman hitting with a mic in, which was kind of fun. Um so, yeah, they yeah, had I mean, that, and then they would talk to players in the field. So, like, they yeah. had they would mic up, like, the outfielders, or they mic'd up Bregman, and Joe Buck would talk to them on the broadcast throughout the entire inning, which was cool. So they did some different things. The MLB is very innovative in that sense. Um, and it's kind of on the uptick. Like, the whole, like, cliched, like, the MLB, like, no one knows who their stars are now. I kind of disagree – or not disagree. I think it's kind of changed from that narrative to, hey, there's this crop of young players. There's just too many of them to, like – name as like one face now mike trout's definitely the face of baseball now but sure you get my point there's but I kind 12 of, to 15 young players that are like kind of must see television now 
Yeah, I think you, they've got to do a really good job. I think they have of, of marketing these guys like, you know, uh, Vlad Guerrero and, and uh, Ronald Acuna and Cody Bellinger and trying to think Fernando Tatis, uh, Framel Reyes. I think they've got to do a really good job of marketing those guys because those guys are going to be the face of your league for a long, long time. And I think there's a period where they think they they probably understand they missed the they dropped the ball in terms Absolutely. of that. So I think they're doing better in that sense and in in um in uh showcasing that. And I think part of that is uh you're seeing a lot more controversy when the uh old unwritten rules of baseball come into play. Um, like where you throw at people because like they get with happy. With regards to emotion, exactly. So you're seeing more pushback on that ever. And I think that's more indicative of like more people wanting to see these guys' personalities and the kind of thinking changing. And I think that's helped too because you're seeing these guys show more emotion, be more flashy. I mean, hell, did you see that a couple weeks ago? Acuna hit a home run at Pittsburgh, and then I think he got hit the next at bat or whatever. And like the Pirates color announcer, which is classic, just I'm sure some dude that played in the 70s and was like, you know, <laughs> put your head down and run, rub some dirt on it, eat dirt. Yeah, guy, yeah, I remember that. Was like, yeah, where he's like, well, you know, I'm not trying to justify it, but when he's got the jewelry and he's got all that yeah. stuff, it's like, what do you even mean by that? Like, shut up, like, come, bro. Yeah, yeah, like come well, I mean, on. I knew what he meant, but yeah. But that's, that's the sure. kind of thinking you have to get out of baseball, and like once you get like full on, kind of just this new age type of thinking and kind of younger, younger fans, that's really when baseball is going to kind of get out of this. There is. I don't and, know. It's a you, funk, but it just kind of is what it is. You might disagree with me. That's fine. I don't think there's ever a situation where you should rear back and chunk a 93 mile hour fastball at somebody. Like I don't care how much they piss you off. That 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 to me is absurd. Yeah, because you get it. I mean, not to like like man card here, but like you could really really do some damage to somebody. Like I love Jake yeah. Arrieta, but that that comment he had the other day where he dent, said he's going to put a head. dent in Cod, Todd Frazier's skull. It's like easy, buddy. This is like this is not their rules. Yeah, like easy, man. <laughs> Chill, man. But yeah, yeah. I, I I'm not a big fan. Like, it's like if you don't want the dude to bat flip, then don't let him hit the ball 300 and 430 feet. <laughs> oh God! But you know it's okay if pitchers you know pump pump their fist after striking somebody out or yell at the dugout. That that's totally fine. Well, what's hilarious to me about baseball is this: all, they have all this stuff in the regular season, and guys get so sensitive. But all everything goes out the window in the postseason. You can do whatever you want. I mean, <laughs> the bat flip Jose Bautista did in the postseason. A couple years ago in the NLDS game against the Rangers where people were literally riding and throwing, like, stuff on the field. They were so excited <laughs> afterward. Like, all that – it cracks me up that, like, when the games actually matter, all that stuff goes out the window. Like, no one cares. <laughs> no, and, and saying that, I had no problem with uh, – like, don't don't throw a fastball at somebody's face because you can kill them. But with Rude Ned O'Dor, like, punching him at second base the next year – because nobody's going to get killed from a punch in baseball. I kind of thought that was fun. That's true, and he clocked him good. Like, that was kind of a full-on full on strike. Um, So, that's really about all I've got today. Bear with us. I know it's shorter podcast than usual, less content. It's just we're in this last week where there's just nothing going on. I mean, this is the deadest week of the year, and then we kind of start on a slow uptick after that. I don't really have anything else. Do you? No, my beat the streak's still going, man. It, uh, yeah, what are you at? Uh, let's see, 30, 39. I'm not sure. Cause you know, we've had two days off now. So, you know, we're, we're 18, I think from, from being a millionaire. Yeah. That first day after the all-star break is going to be tough. Cause like, who do you pick? There's no I, guy uh, that's like hot. I got Joey Gallo and George Springer. And only one of them has to get a hit. No, both of them have to, or it goes back to zero. Oh, why don't I start doing one at a time? Well, okay. 
I, I get what you're saying, but at, at the same time, you have to pick 18 to win. So you might as well just, I mean, it doesn't matter when you do it. You just got to pick 18 to win. So to me, there's not much difference. Yeah, but it keeps the suspense up. Oh, <laughs> uh, you think a journalist might comment write an article or something? No, I'm just saying, like, if you go one at a time, like, at least you kind of just got to focus on one dude and, like, uh, you're on to the next night is basically how I would look at it. <laughs> Anthony Rendon got a hit Sunday in his last at bat in the ninth inning. I was nervous, very nervous. What happens if he loses at 50? Uh, you're going to probably need a new podcast host for a week. Yeah, that's all <laughs> At a certain point, you're going to get to a level to where it either hits or there's going to be violence. <laughs> I think that number's 50, though. Yeah, I think 50? it's 50. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, that's fine. 45 or less, it's like, damn, that was a hell of a run. But, you know, I wasn't, like, sniffing it yet. Like, 50, you could taste it. <laughs> it's like, wow, I could never work again in my life if I literally uh, pick seven correct players. Yeah, so. that's – uh, so – well, uh, we'll definitely keep tabs of that. Let us know when it gets to fifty, because uh, that's we'll have to start doing some like live podcasts or some shit. We should we should periscope it if it gets to fifty. All right, we'll make that happen. Um, <laughs> all right, that's that's about all I got. What about you? That's 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 about it, man. It's uh, we'll Wednesday back, during the summer. Yeah, Mailbag Friday's coming on Friday though. That's uh, the beauty that's of Mailbag point. Friday is the content generates itself. So send yeah. in your questions, email, carrier pigeon, tweet, text. Again, not giving you my number, but if you have it, send me some questions. Um, you drive the show on Friday, so that's turned into, I think, everyone's favorite day. Um, yeah, so, yeah. Mailbag Friday, get your conspiracy theories in for next week. There's a, a bit of a waiting list because I've got four or five lined up. I did not pick a good one yesterday. The Tupac thing was not not the best one. We'll get yeah. into a more nuanced one next week. Um, but, yeah, like and subscribe. Thank you for listening. Uh, we are growing, and then we are about to get through this dead period together and kind of go – ascend into football season so for colin brister i'm brian scott ruby we'll be back at it on friday a super talk mississippi media production